0: Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, freelance writer, player of games, writer of words, recorder of videos, and tabletop role-playing aficionado. Welcome to the DM Roundtable for July 2021. This is a chance for patrons and I to get together and discuss topics in tabletop RPGs. By sharing our ideas, thoughts, and experiences, we can all become better DMs or GMs. The DM Roundtable discussions are open to all patrons at every level of patreon.com slash roguewatson. You don't even have to be an active participant. You can jump in here and lurk to your heart's content. We are glad to have you. This month's topic, as determined by the poll, is DM bans. Certain rules, classes, or spells may drive us crazy, and so crazy we don't want them in our games, or perhaps our homebrew worlds limit what features we can use and allow. How and when do we lay down the law for our table? Joining me for this month's DM roundtable, we have Mr. Farty McButterpants. Hello. And Stan. Greetings. Greetings. Dan, since you are the uh, newbie to Discord and the server, I'm going to let you start off. (laughs) You are chosen first uh, to let me know, do you have any bans that you use game to game? And then do you have any specific things that you have discovered that you need to ban?
1: Um, Definitely from... I I run a homebrew version of Forgotten Realms. So... um... I was a DM back in first and second edition, and so to me, that's the Forgotten Realms I know and love and have memorized. So there's a lot of stuff uh, like spell plague, whatnot, that does not exist in my world because fourth edition. Oh, um, so
0: it's a it's a timeline thing.
1: It's partly a timeline, um, but then there's also some character classes. Um, I tend to run with uh, a lot of my players have uh, strong religious feelings. Hmm. So uh, there are certain character classes and races like Tieflings, Asimar, Warlocks are dropped out of my world. Ah, uh, uh,
2: Wait, what about I clerics? Also,
1: <laughs> uh, uh, I would say the, the biggest murder hobo I had in my most recent game was a cleric. Okay. Um, nothing is scarier than spiritual weapons, spirit guardians, and she was an archer. Um, That's a good combo. You put, you put that together and... We went into an enemy village once, and I thought she was going to shred the whole place. Uh, she res- <laughs> she restrained herself. <laughs> but, um, so those are some of the some of the general ground things that that's pretty um,
0: that's pretty big. Then you ban whole classes.
1: Yeah, and also it's kind of like a, a for a little bit of a realism thing. There's certain monster races and stuff. I tend to limit to um, mm. Z- Xanathars and Player's Handbook. Um, okay kind of limit to those things a little bit
0: right because uh was it volos that added a lot of like the bugbears and kinkos and stuff to play as is that what you're talking about
1: yeah yeah like kinkos and tabaxi um they don't fit into the old my old version of the forgotten realms okay what so, about um I'm sorry go ahead. A goliath a goliath is fine half work fine um you know some of those those are to me those are kind of, kind of a, a little more reasonable Um, some of the more fantastical stuff I kind of scaled down so you can kind of say it might be a little bit lower magic than Mm. current 5th edition you know as as written
0: okay Uh, so they've added entire new classes obviously since 1st and 2nd so do you ban like barbarian and sorcerer I think you already said warlock Uh, what about monk?
1: barbarian sorcerer monk uh, those are fine I don't do gunpowder so artificers probably not
0: oh right yeah um. Okay, that's that's a pretty big one <laughs> for a lot of bands. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. uh, Farty, let's jump to you. What about your um? Just blanket bands. It doesn't have to necessarily be classes. You can include like uh, spells or or multi-classing or any kind of exploits or something like that.
2: Uh, well, I I kind of come from a totally different uh, um, area than standard. Like because I was still fairly new when I was running my last uh, my last couple of campaigns. I kept it more to PHB player's handbook Mm -hmm. just because I didn't know what was out there and I didn't want things blowing up on me. So, uh, that's part of the reason why I, uh, I restricted it just because I didn't, you know, want to have all of a sudden this crazy build that I wasn't prepared for.
0: Honestly, that is great advice for any new DMS, even though it's, it's easy to get excited and want to like play with all of the toys in the toy box the easiest thing to do is start with the starter set, which is the the player's handbook, because there's plenty of content in there. You can easily run a full game, a full party, and have a ton of options and things. But for that exact reason, like it does get a little crazy uh, as you start putting in all those, I guess, expansions. In a way, well, I'm yeah, glad so we have some with the more recent um, uh, point of view. So that's a good dichotomy because I'm I'm kind of closer to you where I, I really didn't start. I definitely didn't start DMing until Fifth Edition, so I'm very much new to the the DM game. Um, fan wise, I as so when I started, Fifth Edition was new enough where it was just the player's handbook, so that was easy. Obviously, we just started with the player's handbook, and it's been kind of nice because as we've been playing. They've been adding all the new content, so it's been a really nice gradual rollout to start learning all the new rules and races and classes and and spells and all that, so that's actually come at a pretty good pace for us. Um, In terms of bans, though, from the very beginning, I kind of had a soft ban on any other content, like anything from the DM's Guild, ironically because I do a bunch of reviews on there, but we just wanted to keep stuff official. Now, I never used the rule of the Adventurer's League, which is to say you can only use content from the player's handbook plus one other book, which always felt weird. And I think they just recently dropped that because there's so many books now. They <laughs> I realized that was um, probably too restrictive. Well, but,
1: Tosh just took the lid off of everything.
0: Did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but we still kind of have that in play, and... The only reason I haven't really rescinded that it's not really for a balance reason so much, but there's like I said they've just been rolling out content at such a steady pace and it takes us generally a good chunk of time to to play through a campaign and, and play through characters that we really haven't had to look beyond the official content yet. Um if somebody was really excited about something and brought it to table, I would really look at it and maybe make a choice there. So it'd probably be more of a case by case basis. I don't know if I would just completely shut it down. Um, so it's it's weird. It's not really like a heart. Like I have a a, a thing against um, you know extra content. And goodness knows I've reviewed so many freaking subclass subclass content on the DM's Guild. Where I have a pretty good handle on what you know on paper looks balanced and what looks grossly imbalanced. And I've I've seen them all but I don't think I would necessarily have a problem with it. What about you all for, uh, Stan, we'll go with you for uh, third party content. Somebody brings something that says, Hey, I found this on the DMs guild or I found this on, you know, unearthed arcana or something. And I want to play this character or use this spell or something.
1: Um, so spells and stuff. Um, I normally don't have a problem with that. Um, I allow my characters to flavor certain things. Um, I had a gnome wizard that, uh, ran a lot of stuff that was uh, lightning based. So I'm perfectly fine with reflavoring. You know, if she came to me and said, Hey, Fireball's cool. Can I do a lightning version of that? Sure. I don't care. It doesn't bother me at all. Um, On the flip side of that, I'm the one that torment my players with third-party content. Uh. Um, I I am a Nord games fan. Um, Like their dreaded curse book um that you know a lot of people get tired like oh a white's only like a cr2 creature or something yeah run dreaded to curse where you're pulling down cr10 whites okay. they've got different flavors of them and it makes a character go oh it's a white it did what
0: <laughs> yeah and, i feel like that's that's different for dm because i feel like it's almost expected for dms to bring that new content to the table right i mean
1: my players are still terrified at level eight of orcs <laughs> Nice. Because of some of the stuff I've pulled from, um, they've got a um, a hoard book of different, you know, like got different advanced goblins and uh, ogres, and you know, different of your your low level monsters, and yeah. that's a heck of a lot of fun to throw at them. But third, third party content doesn't really freak me out too much, because, like I said, I've I've been doing this for lots. Of, all my players are half my age,
0: so if so you would allow a a player
1: terrorize them with works
0: you you would allow a player to bring like some custom class for example because you you mentioned the fact that you you're limited um based on your world the kind of like classes and and maybe subclasses that are available
1: um if if they come to me with a good story good story reason of how does this fit in the world and we could work together on it that's fine um some one of my players when we first started my girls game um said she wanted to do the halfling female version of indiana jones okay and we were playing horde of the dragon queen and they have a draconologist and so uh she wrote me like this five page backstory and it was absolutely glorious and i said okay well how about if we use this draconologist uh some of these skills Tweak things a little bit and kind of customized it a little bit. And she goes, this is awesome. And she played it for four years.
0: Wow. Was that a complete custom class then? Or, is you, or did it, do you take a class and then change it?
1: Um, we took the Draconologist background, added it to a classic Troubleshooter Thief, and just tweaked, you know, just a few minor things that, some of those things I don't care about you know it's like someone gets uh you swap a skill this skill out for this skill i don't care okay um you know it's it that's not going to unbalance a game to me
0: yeah um farty do you have any kind of ban on any any unofficial content that players bring to the table
2: um i haven't had anybody bring anything like that um if they do bring something Uh, You know that I'm not aware of. First thing I'll see, I'll say is I'll I'll check it out, and then the next day I'm on YouTube, searching videos trying to find. Okay, you know who's if it says broken anywhere, I want to watch that video (laughs) 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 because that to me is where it's like okay they're gonna explain what's going on. Yeah, Um, I'm okay. The number one challenge I have is as long as it doesn't make my work too hard because. If you bring in a uh, a character that you know, when we get up to you know level five, six, seven, eight, ten, and all of a sudden this character's laying down huge damage, and I now have to make huge adjustments to the game to make that work, it's you know it's it's stressful, right? Because you're mm-hmm. like, okay, well, what the heck? I didn't, I you know, how do I challenge this guy but not kill the rest of the team?
0: Yeah, a lot of the stress comes from. um because, I mean, at one point, it's cool to make your players feel empowered. That's obviously a big part of it. But the problem becomes if one person is always the amazing star in in those scenarios, which you could argue, like, okay, well, maybe they're not as good in out-of-combat situations, so you know, during social encounters or during exploration. But I think we can all admit that combat is obviously a huge part of D&D, and that's what a lot of people play it for, and having... One person shine to such a degree, uh, it's not necessarily bad for. I mean, yes, we have to compensate for different reasons for that, but also just you feel bad for their players, you know, when they're like, "Oh, I didn't, you know, I did one thing and did six damage," and the person's like, "I did thirty damage in my turn." Uh, That can be a little bit disappointing for them for sure. Um, What about? So we we don't have any kind of soft rule, even though we don't have any ex- necessarily uh, a lot of experience with somebody literally bringing something to the table. The one thing that um, we've had in the past, which was not in my games, but was in Chris's games during um, Storm King's Thunder, and uh, well, in in, uh, in War for Lost Plain as well. When I did this, is he allowed uh, first Raymond and then me to use the Unearthed Arcana Ranger. Because the consensus for a long time was that the base ranger is underpowered because a lot of its abilities interact with elements of the game that a lot of DMs and tables don't use at all, which is you know, exploration and tracking things down and worrying about terrain and all that. Like and in us included, we tend to hand wave a lot of that or simplify it into like, you know, a single check that does something. Um, and the Unearthed Arcana Ranger fixes a lot of that by bringing back its abilities more into actual like usable combat stuff that would come up a lot more often. Uh, And then finally, that has come around now where I think Tasha's kind of finally quote-unquote fixes the Ranger in a lot of ways. But we played Storm King's Thunder before uh, Tasha's came out, years before, and uh, Raymond came in using that Unearthed Arcana. So in that case, technically that was... That's a weird gray area where it is it is a wizards uh produced element but it just hasn't been published yet so it's still like kind of in the beta testing phase basically it's an early access
1: uh, it's play so you, test
0: yeah basically um but it is for sure and a lot of and some of it will appear in published material later and some of it won't um so that's the only real experience we've had with with stuff like that, and then I um, I believe also used that on Arcana Ranger because we started that uh, the War for Lost Plane campaign, and then like months later, uh, freaking Tasha's came out, and I would've been like, oh well, this would've been the way to go, but uh, that's neither here nor there. But um, that was the only uh, real experience we had with using, I think, using any kind of non official um, source. Now, the other question is, has there been a case where a player has used something that you've normally obviously allowed, because they've been doing it, and you realize that they're, they've come across an exploit, maybe not necessarily an exploit, but some combination of spells or abilities or classes or multi-classes that you decided, either then and there, or maybe for future games and campaigns, that you were like, I'm not going to allow this anymore. This is too much, Artie. What do you think?
2: Um, yeah, it's like there's been obviously surprises I've been playing, so uh, I know we had one uh, warlock who had a who got a glaive and was dealing huge amounts of damage. Uh, you know, uh, a lot more than anybody else. So. You know, at that point, it's like, okay, well, he's already got it. He he's using it quite well. What do I do? Like, uh, do as I a, a hexblade,
0: or what kind of subclass? Yeah, hexblade. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, um, so yeah, so then you try to figure, out, okay, well, how do I challenge this guy? How do I keep it interesting, but you know, not kill the other guys that don't that aren't delivering that damage.
0: So, in that case, did you? in the future ever decide to ban that or you just decided I'm just going to work around this and try to elevate. No,
2: I, just, I just, I just worked around it and I think in the future it would just be knowing that that's out there Yeah. Uh, uh, and you kind of, you know, um, in the end, if, if I felt that anybody was doing something where it was like, okay, you know what, this is, this is killing me. This is too tough. I just have a side conversation and say, look, you know, you're killing me here. <laughs> I, can't keep, I, can't, I I you know I'm trying I'm I'm trying to ma- make this balance is not working yeah. is something you can do on your end to kind of tone it down a little bit and and usually people are pretty good.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. I I didn't think about just going to the player and saying, "Look, man, you're, you're <laughs> it's just too much." Cuz the weird thing, you know, if it was a video game, there'd be patch notes, right? They'd be like, "Oh, well, the warlock is dealing too much damage, so we patch that and now we we nerf their damage a little bit or we buff somebody else." And you can't really do that necessarily as a DM. Uh you know without literally picking on the player so <laughs> that's not a bad solution is just to talk to them about it and be like hey how can we uh you know make sure other folks have a chance to shine and and maybe the person makes that part of their maybe they either understand that and say okay i'll just try and you know not pull all my shit all the time or they can work that into their role playing and be like oh well i'm going to show off this round and do this thing even though it's not the most efficient thing to do uh, i would definitely appreciate that
2: yeah it's not every single round Every time you, you know, meet anything, it's like, okay, I I do this, that, and yeah, it's okay. I'm going to bring it out when we really need it or when I really want to shine. And yeah, I hate nerfing stuff. I I feel so bad when I go to, you know, I go to someone and say, you can't use it anymore. Yeah.
0: And and a lot of, you know, D and D a lot of that is about efficiency. And certainly that attracts a lot of that kind of person is somebody who is um, looking and saying you know looking at all these abilities and 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 classes and spells and saying how can i turn this turn myself into the most efficient killing machine and there's a lot of things you can do to overtune that um and i think they've become pretty well known and warlock is usually pretty problematic because of that uh, and and hell i was guilty of that in in storm king's thunder i played a warlock paladin which a lot of people say like is a bullshit class combo uh, for the very reason that you can take those divine smites that are so powerful as a paladin, and you can just burn through spell slots. And all of a sudden you've got spell slots that recharge on a short rest. And the combination is delicious. Um, but thankfully it, it never really felt that crazy. Although I will say this is before uh, the Hexblade existed. So it's... Maybe you know, banning certain multi-class combinations could be the answer, and yet I like the fact that 5th edition doesn't do that. That's one of the things that the older editions, and Stan, maybe you can chime in on this, older editions had very strict rules on multi-classing and even what races could or could not multi-class, and thus the combinations were not as crazy. And then in 3rd edition, you know, a lot of it was alignment-based. So it was, you know, if you were a barbarian, you had to be chaotic. If you were a paladin, you had to be lawful. If you were a bard, I think you had to be, Chaotic, or no? I think if you were if you were a paladin, it had to be lawful good specifically. Druids mm-hmm. had to be specifically neutral along neutral. the line. <laughs> yeah. So the only way to do crazy multi classes was to do this convoluted like alignment change system as you like leveled up, and it was kind of nuts. Uh, but Stan, what Assassin, are
1: your... assassins assassins by uh, as written were evil.
0: Wow. Yeah. So it would be pretty tricky to do. So like, you know, back in the day, I probably wouldn't be able to pull off my paladin warlock combo very easily, and yet now I can. Take advantage of a very powerful class combo. Stan, have you had any um, like combinations or things that people brought that you thought, oh, this is really strong? And have you then had to ban that?
1: I've never nerfed anything. Um, I actually kind of go the opposite way. Um, one of the statements my players hear very frequently is actions have consequences. My job is to impose those consequences. <laughs> and um anything you can do i can do so if you introduce if you introduce something at the table i can do that as the bad guys now
0: (laughs) okay so you could have a a villainous paladin warlock
1: combo that has all those abilities and um i've been blessed with players that are very story and character focused so they're not looking at the mechanics Mm. Of trying to min max and things like that. Uh, I've only had uh, two characters on both the. I I was running three games for a while. Um, In all three of my games, I've only had two characters multi class. Oh. Oh. Got uh, raised through a very powerful holy artifact and became a divine soul sorcerer multi-class um and then the paladin due to his being lawful stupid got the party's <laughs> cl- got the party's cleric killed oh no and out of grief he took up the mantle of a, st- of a straight cleric because he okay. got his friend killed he got his he literally got his friend killed Wow! Oh. Um, they they someone asked you know it was it was a trap someone was Saying, hey, we're hurt. We need, we need a healer. Do you have a healer in the party? Him and the, he grabbed the cleric and ran forward, and they just beat the crap out of them and killed him. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's the, those are the two multi classes. But um, kind of going back to any other hard bands, I don't do counterspell. Ah. Because I want my players to feel like they're heroes. And. With the level of evil and stuff that they're encountering, I'd counterspell a, a a revivify, and I don't want to do that.
0: Oh no! So you you banned counterspell for yourself <laughs> mostly, and but if you...
1: anything they can do, I can do, and yeah. it's like I don't want to do this to you because I would. Man, so and they all looked at me and like, go, "Yeah, we're good with that."
0: <laughs> but can't th- but but so that means they have to take but because you can counterspell a counterspell if i'm if i remember correctly as long as people have yes. reactions
1: <laughs> as long as you have multiple casters yeah uh, arcane casters and both parties are very light on those
0: mm. that's interesting um counter yeah counterspell is one of those spells that can just shut things down in a not fun way for uh for both sides i mean for yeah for multiple mm-hmm. reasons like it's It's an incredibly useful spell because the ability to just turn off spells is very nice. Although, eventually, you know, with higher spells, you have to roll uh, the dice to see if you can actually shut it down. Uh, My last player had, uh, character, had all kinds of trouble trying to counterspell in that Tier 4 campaign. (laughs) just not happening very often. Uh, But I could definitely see that being a useful ban. Um... That's yeah, just not fun. Yeah, that I, I kind of agree with that. Um the fact that you can just turn off enemy spells because it's a big part of it. And the fact that enemies uh, can do that to players would be really shitty if they just start casting a spell. Oh, I'm gonna cast my big spell, and the DM's like, no, you're not. <laughs> it's counter spell. Like, oh D-9. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. What about dispel magic? Do you allow that one?
1: Um I've never had a player actually use it in a game. Hmm. I, think- I wouldn't have a problem I wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah. But I've literally never, never had a player use it.
0: So I think that one is is similar, but it's not a reaction. It's you have to spend your turn, uh, mm-hmm. you know, turning off whatever effect, which could be a trap effect or could be a debuff or something or buff.
1: Yeah, they're very efficient mage killers. They use silence. They have a, the cleric dropping a silence spell, mm. and then they turn the uh, Divine Soul Sorcerer Eldritch Knight loose on them. because here's a good one. The kind of using critical roles, vestiges of divergence, these really h- scalable, ultimately high powered legendary magic items.
0: Ah, uh, yes, very cool idea And
1: she's wielding Hazeron from they killed the leader of the black dragons in Horde of the Dragon Queen, and she's now using Hazeron. Wow, and she did 110 points of damage on a white <laughs> dragon in, in, one ra- in one round. She hit all four times.
0: My goodness.
1: And it's like, as a DM, okay, congratulations, you beheaded a dragon. There's nothing I can do with that.
0: <laughs> Incredible. Um, Farty, do you have any, any spell bans? Like counterspell?
2: No, I, I don't, but it's, it's actually a good point. I think something like that where it takes away agency. I mean, you've, you know, you've got somebody that wants to do this really cool thing, and you just take it out of their hands. I think that's a tough one to swallow. I think dispel magic is probably a little bit different because you just, um, you know, something's already in place and you're you're dispelling it. But um,
1: yeah, yeah, you brought up a great point of player agency. Um, I don't use dominate person either. Mm. As from one of my bad guys, I know what I know my players very well, and I know that they would be crushed if you take. Um, their agency away and I'm making them do things to their, part, their friends, now, that's not going to flat my table. Do
0: you actually ban it or do you just self-restrict yourself from using that spell?
1: I self-restrict it and they've never used it. Okay. It's not something it, uh, the way they play, that isn't, that isn't the way they play the game.
0: What about lighter ones like command or suggestion?
1: That's how I learned it. I used command hmm. on a player at the table when they were level one and uh in horde of the dragon queen one of the enemy casters has got it and i used it uh and basically just kind of taunting a little bit and said neil Mm. and the reaction i got from the table not doing that again Mm.
0: interesting yeah i can see where that could definitely create some problems neil seems so innocuous though too but (laughs) Uh (laughs) my goodness
1: yeah they were not uh they were not happy
0: yeah yeah because there's a whole spell line about I'm, I'm not, Off off top of my head I'm thinking command and suggestion mm-hmm. uh Geas maybe would be another one where you're instructed mm-hmm. to do something and you take damage if you don't do it or something
1: yep the whole enchanter concept
0: yeah, basically it's
1: I mean, a you whole could school of magic. you yeah. could
0: you could still do stuff like hypnotic pattern probably because that's just mm-hmm. shutting it's things. a
1: stunning yeah
0: yeah, I like guess yeah, which is kind of also shitty to do to players in a way, but <laughs> I mean that's you know
1: see mind flares. right
0: yeah that that's a good point though i could see why um dominate person and suggestion is either either blanket ban or as a, you know you could always just choose as a dm you're choosing what you're using and you could just be like i'm not going to use people that are you know specifically
1: enchantment based evil wizards so it'll just yeah, throw it, kinda goes to, it goes to your session zero yeah of what are your players hard stops and at that particular table consent really mattered. And and
0: really, I mean, in general, that that probably is gonna be your number one is don't take that away. I mean, um in uh you know, in, in crafting uh this morning, slight spoilers for our Icewind Dale uh, campaign, but I talked about, you know, possibly kidnapping one of the players, uh player characters as being um uh, a possible avenue to the story that I had been given by the players the last session, and obviously the first thing I would do is, is going to talk to that player and seeing how they would feel about this kind of thing. Um, for that very reason, like you don't want to just drop this on your players. It's such a shitty thing to do as a DM, and I, I feel like most DMs know that, but it still bears repeating for for folks that even if you think the story's gonna be really cool and you think that player's gonna be cool with it, go ahead and let that player in on your plans if that is in fact your plan. And it may be that they're like, oh, yeah, it's going to be really cool. Um, Or it may be that, like, okay, I think it's cool, but what are your plans? Like, you know, am I going to sit out that whole session? Or am I going to get to play, like, as a separate entity or as an NPC? Like, you know, they might have questions about it. Or they may say, no, that really, I don't, you know, I don't see my character doing that. I don't see that being a fun thing to do. Uh, Then make adjustments from there. But, yeah, for sure, uh, always, always, always with consent. So I could definitely see why um, using... Dominate person. I think suggestion is still a fun spell if you make it interesting, but I also know my players and we would all be comfortable with that kind of thing. I don't know if I've ever. God, we played a whole freaking campaign with a bunch of UNT and I don't know if I ever got a goddamn suggestion spell off. uh Is it suggestion that they have? I think it's suggestion. Where like the basic UNT can do it, the pure bloods. And I can't remember Time. if I. Ever actually Every
2: time I tried suggestion? It's the same, it never it never flies, it never works. Like, they always make the, <laughs> Damn it,
0: they just always make the save. And I always think it'd be a pretty fun thing. Is you could just, I don't think you can tell them to hurt themselves, but you can always just come up with funny things like drop your weapons and run or you know, something. Um, that would really like help, like you know, add a new element. But it, <laughs> they always made the save. There was this.
1: in the temple, uh, before they were going up to the Naga, uh, the fight down below. I think you had one of them where you kind of stunned somebody, like you put them to sleep or something for a round. Okay. That might be the only time you got that off.
0: <laughs> so memorable because it only happened once. <laughs> well,
1: Three. they were flying like crazy because they were, they were so outnumbered.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't think I have any... I mean, Counterspell is a good idea. That would be really interesting to introduce... Um, to eliminate that one, it hasn't. I'm trying to think of it, came up very much in the recent camp. I mean, I did a lot in uh, our high level campaign for sure. Especially when you're when you're high level, man, you can just burn through those spell slots. It's like hell yeah, I might as well use those on counterspell. Like high level enemy spells are awful. <laughs> like they're all gonna be awful, so I'm just gonna counterspell all the time. Now we did introduce uh, additional counterspell rules where you had to like roll something to identify the spell. That made it a little bit more interesting but then it also kind of slowed you know the action down a bit so i'm not opposed to actually banning that you may have given me an idea for that one well, um, it allows
1: you to have high level casters that matter
0: yeah for sure um would you ever uh, ban anything in the middle of a campaign and not necessarily at the session zero like something has come to your attention that needs to be given a hard ban? Like, obviously, you can still t- you know, talk to your players about it and have that discussion, but would that come up or would you only be able to really do that at the session zero?
1: If it's uh, a grievous enough thing, I think I could.
2: Yeah. I think if you have that conversation with them um, and just say, look, this is, this is not working. Uh, this is too much trouble. Uh, most people are pretty good. Either individually or as a group, you can just even uh, hash it out on, on Discord.
0: Yeah, I know I've been through some pain in the ass spells. Like fog cloud is in- <laughs> infamously a spell that, for some reason, my dumb ass can never just wrap my head around the mechanics of fog cloud. And I think that's partly because the actual like stealth and and perception rules of D anD D fifth edition are still kind of loosey goosey. Uh, and. And and the fact that advantage and disadvantage can cancel each other out, which makes the fog cloud kind of just a weird thing to introduce. And it, it, basically, any spell that requires a lot of ruling by the DM uh, can cause a lot of headaches. So I see the usefulness of that one, but I've had to fucking come up with so many stupid rules for fog cloud to make it work in my brain that I am like always on the edge of just outright banning that stupid spell. And it's not even, you know, I don't know, it's it's not even that complicated. But for some reason, I just can't get that one to work correctly and the other one is the hut leoman's tiny hut which gives players an instant safe long rest zone for a third Mm -hmm. level spell slot Mm -hmm. that seems i'll say this it worked out fine in tomb of annihilation because at the point they got it, they were fifth level, and at that point I'm like, all right, we're pretty much bringing the hex crawl to a close, so yes, you're just gonna be able to do this to basically get through the jungle and not have to worry about a lot of night encounters anymore, but it still can be a bit of a headache because that can be a big part of your campaign planning is if I want to ambush the players at night or do any you know, nighttime encounters or anything, and suddenly they've got this literal magic bubble they can cast. And I think they can cast it as like a ritual
1: so it't even cast a spell slot. mm-hmm. so it's a ten, it's a ten minute casting time, regardless.
0: Right, yeah, so you're really not supposed to use it like in combat, obviously, it, but right. i I don't I know it, a, it seems really I easy. Saw a
1: dm I saw a dm in another uh another YouTube game. He fixed that, and i've I've not had the problem in my games um but the way he fixed it, I thought was brilliant. And it's like, if I ever run into this, this is how I'm solving it. They, tr- they did a tiny hut in the middle of a dungeon and one of the patrolling random encounters found them and they stacked the hallway. <laughs> and so when the hut came down, they had held to pay. Yeah, And it, be because it was a sponsored game it was a tpk and they <laughs> they they respawned uh they were playing like uh dungeon of the mad mage and they had a halister hand wave and they reappeared and they reappeared in another section of the dungeon uh, because <laughs> it was a sponsored game okay but yeah it turned into a tpk and they learned you probably don't want to do that here
0: I mean, but the pain in the ass there is you just made that much more work for the DM. Like, the work you just said is like, oh, we can long rest anywhere, and now the DM has to then do all the work to say, okay, well, I gotta figure out if you're found at any point, and then what the enemy does, and how they react, and put all this together. So it still makes a lot more work to be able to respond to that. Yes, that is something you can do, which is to say, okay, well, you quote-unquote triggered a random encounter, but now that encounter can't get to you, but the enemy is maybe intelligent enough to, you know, just wait out and create this huge trap uh, of enemies, but I I don't necessarily find that the most satisfying solution, and if it led to a TPK because of a random encounter, frankly, I'm not sure that is a, uh, a successful solution either.
1: So well, they were in they were in the middle of a temple complex that was not ruins it was a, a live complex. So it obviously
0: the players dead. didn't play that smart, yeah. No. <laughs> that
1: that was an earned TP game. Yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> at least try to find a side closet or something, come on. Yeah, that one um I you know, I, I'm not in the realm of banning that yet, but that one has caused me to kind of sit up and go, okay, so this is something that players can do it. at fifth level is create a zone of uh, essentially impenetrable, long rest safety. Which again, spoilers for tomb of annihilation campaign. I did find a way past that, which is to use pre-poly or not polymorphed. uh UNT just have the ability to transform into snakes. So I had UNT already as snakes, just you know, hidden basically in you know in that same zone before they cast it, and then once they cast it, uh the UNT then transformed out of their snake form and became whatever they were, malisons. And thus they were already inside the dome when they attacked. So that's that, that's a free one. You can all use that one. <laughs> but I could only do that once because you don't want to fuck with the players too much because that's such a bullshit thing to do. Because now obviously they're just going to search for snakes every time uh, they bed down, even if they're in the jungle. So I don't the think one it. That, go ahead. One
2: thing with that spell is while well, it's opa- it says it's opaque, so you can't. Uh, you can't see in. it's like
0: tinted windows it's like you can see like the inside can see out but i don't think the out's supposed to see in
2: <laughs> can can you hear can you smell i mean if you're an animal and all of a sudden there's this opaque bubble in the middle of the forest yeah uh you know it's, you know i i had this whole thing where uh you know the the wolf comes up and starts sniffing around the thing and i'm sniffing into the microphone uh, <laughs> making the noise then there's more coming. And these guys are sitting in, you know, they can see out. So mm-hmm. they're sitting in there looking, watching all these. It's
0: like Jurassic movies. Park style at that point. Like <laughs> you just, you know, you're inside the bubble and there's the big things coming. Time
2: starts <laughs> ticking down. Oh,
1: it's uh, seven hours,
0: 55 minutes. <laughs>
1: there's 14 wolves on top of the dome. And right. Yeah. Away. That'd be a yeah. funny
0: way to do an encounter, actually. But the weird <laughs> thing is the, it goes, the stupid spell goes even further than that because it allows people inside to shoot out of the dome. It's such bullshit. Like, what kind of magical force field is this that not only protects everybody, but you can still attack people from inside the dome? Because I was thinking, okay, what a cool thing that would be to have, like, you know, a gorilla in, whatever the forearm things are, like, draped over the top of it, like, sleeping on it or something. And, and, you know, maybe like three or four of them, and the players, like, wake up to that and, like, oh, shit, how do we get past this? But then you read that spell, and it's like, they can just fucking shoot out of it without any, rep- you know, because nobody outside can get in. I, I, that spell could just do too much. It's so crazy. Um I'm not banning it, but it's it's such a it's such a crazy damn spell. I don't think anybody has taken it, although in, in our current campaign, although I think bards well, I know bards can take it, that's how we did it in Tomb. Well Robin could take it eventually. Um And it it basically just limits your ability to uh to do those, you know, night ambush encounters, and that's the reason players want to take that, so they can prevent that. And then the bigger headache problem, which that one is okay. The bigger headache problem is the, okay, now we can be in the middle of the dungeon and just get this long rest as long as we find, you know, this spot off to the side and get it relative safety. Now, yes, the enemy can, you know, prepare for that, but they could do that with any kind of long rest regardless. Um, just this this case, they just can't attack you while the, the players are sleeping. So that one's a pain in the butt. I'm not going to ban it, but that would be on my, like, watch list. <laughs> that one and now you've added counterspell on there for a good reason um and i've got Leoman's tiny hut and then for me just that stupid fucking fog cloud <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i have any um classes or subclasses i will say that if i ever played in a or or dm'd a homebrew world um like you were stand stand that specifically restricted those kind of Classes. Like, for example, whenever I, I uh, did a poll for what my next campaign would be back before we chose Rime, uh, one of the options was converting the old Quest for Glory Sierra Adventure games into a and campaign, because I adore those games. And in those games, you played as generally heroic classes, although my one was a thief. Um, but I would probably ban, for example, the Warlock in that campaign because it wouldn't really fit with... Um, what the players are doing and what they're all about if one of them was making a pact with like a super powerful being <laughs> so mm-hmm. there may be some um firm bands if i were to do a campaign that was not you know general forgotten realms if it was specifically this this homebrew world that had only certain you know things in existence then that would make sense to to do those kind of bands
1: or like if they ever bring kryn back for Dragonlance. Um, you're gonna have you're gonna have some ex- extreme class restrictions.
0: I have a a interesting relationship with Dragonlance. I didn't ever give a shit about the Forgotten Realms when I was growing up, but I loved Dragonlance, and I didn't even realize that was D anD D until like years later after the fact. Uh, I just thought it was a cool fantasy series, and I just I was... good.
1: No, I was, I was going to say, I was DMing those in junior
0: high. Nice. I was, yeah, I was reading those books. <laughs> um, I had no idea. Um, it just felt like it was a cool adventuring thing. And I had no, it just, it didn't occur to me as like, oh yeah, this is, of course it's a D&D party, like Jesus. Um, yeah, I, I've read dozens and dozens of those books. I, I love them. I finally stopped uh, whatever one of the series, but uh, anyway, yeah. So I, I have a, I have an interesting relationship with, with Dragonlance. I don't know if I'd actually want to play in that universe, um, because it feels older to me now. Like they they would have to do something interesting to like update it. I feel like, um, I don't know. Forgotten realms. We're, we're getting off topic. Well, Forgotten realms has just become like kind of the, the default that I'm used to right now. <laughs> Although I would love to play an Eberron. Eberron excites the crap out of me. Um, but Dragonlance would be interesting. Uh, all right. Final thoughts on DM bands, Farty. Let's start with you.
2: I think for me. The last thing, because I, I have a very different situation than you. I The people I play with, I don't know. Like, I got them off looking for uh, player groups. Okay. So the challenge is you don't know who you're playing, what kind of game they like to play. So there's a lot of what I did was a really detailed um, write-up in my looker, looking for player group and laid out all the restrictions, what I was putting in place. So that way... Those that really wanted to build something could just look at it and be like, yeah, you know what, I'm not even going to try. That's a that's I a
0: really good point. So, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm, uh, to, if you're specifically playing, yes, because I, I have, obviously, I play with my best friends, and I don't have a lot of experience playing with uh, new players. But obviously, Session Zero is important. But even before Session Zero, in your looking for group write-up, when you're creating the game, you can immediately put hard stops on uh, and, and you know, obviously, talk about what kind of game you're running, but include any kind of restrictions or or limits or things from your point so what were kind of the the things you were having on there
2: uh, so I had things like you know p h b only uh, hmm. I wanted to get them that restriction uh point by standard array, uh, I told okay. the straight out, look I'm not looking to play with uh people who want to min max or or you know be play o p yeah, I'm looking for more you know. more role play, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So I laid out and then I had like house rules. Um, uh, I had a fairly long document. I was actually worried about putting it up because (laughs) nobody's going to apply. I mean, that
0: that could definitely, it's It's going to, it's going to lower your applications, but it also means you don't have to sift through a bunch of players that aren't going to be compatible anyway.
2: Yeah. There was some great people that applied. And then I had interviews with them after to make sure, okay, like, what are you looking to do? What kind of player you look, uh, What kind of uh, character are you looking to play? And that helped me understand what's going on.
0: Nice, good for you. That sounds like a really good system. Um, Stan, final thoughts um, on DM bands?
1: I really like what he, uh, what Freddy just said. Of I, if I'm going to do any bands as part of the homebrew, I do up upfront. Um, I haven't run into uh, anything that I couldn't deal with once the game starts. But in game design, world design, session zero, you lay out these are the ground rules and I run with that from there.
0: Yeah, that's that's really solid advice. Um, Session zero is critical and is the best place to uh, talk about these things. But as we mentioned before, you can actually you don't have to even wait till session zero. You can do that during your recruitment. Uh, mention the fact that, hey, I'm limiting this to the player's handbook or, hey, I've got this homebrew world and I'm allowing this, 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 or I'm not allowing this, this, and this. Uh, You know, in addition to the usual stuff, which is, you know, what are you looking for? Uh, You know, what kind of player character you like? What kind of game do you like? You know, all that stuff, which should be a part of it. But um, DM bans don't have to be, you know, this horrible thing of like, oh, I've had this bad experience. It can just be, you know, like Stan was saying with counterspells. Like, I don't want to, you know, restrict my players or myself in with these, you know, magical no-no button. Um, so I think they can be a useful way of rebalancing the game to make it a little more amenable to what we're trying to accomplish, as well as getting rid of some problematic elements or uh, simplifying things. Because, you know, at this point in 5th edition's life cycle, it's gotten pretty big, like they're they've added a whole new class, they've got a whole ton of subclasses, all these new spells, all these new races, just a lot of stuff for players to handle, and you know the d m is already building the whole campaign coming with all the you know monsters and the story and stuff. I'll be honest, not a lot of my brain matter is spent on thinking about what the players can do and and what their you know all their combinations and things are, so that's one reason why those restrictions can come in handy is so we can just not have to. Worry about that stuff and instead focus on what we have to worry about. Uh so yeah, DM bands. Don't be afraid of them, but you know, obviously use them uh sparingly if you need to. Uh I think that will do it for the DM roundtable for July 2021. Thank you so much to Farty and Stan for joining me, and thank you to all of the patrons. Shoutouts to Platinum Patrons, Joe, Will, Tiny Dancer, Manuel, Wizard, Princess, Christopher, Thomas, Captain Mike, Adam, Aiden, Instant Lose, Roger, Stan, Nathan, and Alex. And Gold Patrons, RPG Papercrafts, Charming Grenade, Pretty Boy, and Yuma, Marcos, Dad, Vicente, Gilberto, Dead Lizard, Lounge, Sam, Lumpy Spuds, Drome, Jerome, Fatboy, 619, Skalini, Nick, Farty Mick, Butterpants, Blood Angel, Vronus, Baboon, Baboon, Nathan, and Fast Like a Tortoise. I'm Eric, and hope to see you all again for next month's DM Roundtable Discussion.